Hey friend, do you love the smell of books? Maybe you absolutely delight in the sound of a pen gliding across a page as you write. Hi, my name is Shira Rodriguez, and I am a Jesus follower, a writer, entrepreneur, and lover of all things boho and books. In this podcast, I want to take you on a journey of discovering yourself, discovering God and your passions, and how to make your life beautiful and so full that it overflows into the lives of others. And over here, we are not about compartmentalizing life. Oh no. Over here, we talk about holistically taking your life and presenting it as a place where others can be blessed just by knowing you. Are you excited? I am. So snag your favorite mug of tea or a pen and paper and let's jump in. Because you're listening to Her Reading Life Podcast. Hello, lovely listeners. Well... NaNoWriMo is officially over, and for most of you, I think this feels like a total relief. I know there's some of you that probably finished before the end of the month, and some others who still feel they have some to write. Regardless of the camp you're in, I want to give you my heartiest of congratulations. It is not easy to write a novel, friends, and you have valiantly stepped up to the challenge. And so in honor of that. Today I have a very, very special gift for you. One of my absolute favorite authors, Anna Rose Johnson, is here today to chat all things reading, writing, and revision on today's episode. She's the author of The Star That Always Stays, one of my absolute favorite books of all time about a bright and spirited girl named Norvia who moves from the country to the city, determined to make 1914 her best year ever. Even if that means hiding her Native American heritage and going to a new school where people aren't exactly as friendly as she would like them to be. And she really learns the meaning of what it means to be a true heroine. I love this book so, so much, and I can't recommend it enough. So I thought hearing from Anna Rose Johnson, the author, would be such an encouragement and inspiration for you all. Because, like you, she wrote a novel during NaNoWriMo several years ago which has recently won numerous accolades and awards, including NPR Best Book of the Year and this year's Christie Amplify Award. I am so excited for you to hear her story and her incredible writing tips on everything from finding your target audience to what to look for in your revision stage for your novel. So I invite you to lean over and eavesdrop on my conversation with Anna Rose Johnson, coming up right now. Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome to today's episode. I am so excited because I am joined by one of my absolute favorite authors, Anna Rose Johnson. Anna, welcome. I'm so excited. So absolutely thrilled to have you on. Well, thank you so much. I am absolutely thrilled to be here. We talked about this in the pre-call, but for those of you who have not heard me ranting about this, I love Anna Rose Johnson's book, um, The Star That Always Stays. I, if I've listened to it 20 times, that's only a fraction of how many times I've probably listened to it like over and over. It's just so beautiful and peace-filled. And something that I love is that it's, it has this old soul quality about it, but it's it feels so fresh and new and original at the same time. It's such a gem, I really think. And I'm so excited because you also have recently gotten an award I think for um that book am I right 
Uh, yes, it was just awarded the Christie Amplify Award for Christian Fiction last week. That was very exciting. That must have been incredible. Oh, I'm so excited. But tell me a little bit about your story. And, you know, how did you go from starting your draft? And I think, if I'm not mistaken, you started during NaNoWriMo, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, going from a draft during NaNoWriMo to having an award-winning book like what were the first books that really made you fall in love with storytelling and reading yeah so I would say probably some of the very first books that made me fall in love with storytelling would have been um the Betsy Tasty books by Maud Hart Lovelace and I read those when I was pretty little um the first few books in the series so I would have been about you know seven years old and wow. it's a very episodic series um, I love those yes they're so cute and so what I would do a lot of times I would try and write my own stories about those characters and I I think that was one of the first books that really like captured my imagination in a way that made me want to come up with stories yeah so I think that was those were some of the first books Oh, that's so sweet. And I think it's so, I love that when people start off with, you know, just writing the characters, because sometimes we think, oh, we have to have an uh, incredible original story to be able to start writing. But often it's actually easiest to just start with something that we love and just building off from there. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it's easier to use, um, you know, pre-existing characters from a story that you like, and then you can just kind of figure out more of like the plot without having to worry exactly. about new characters exactly it's kind of like training wheels I guess mm -hmm. like where, where you're able to use characters that are just already well developed and everything and you're just building off of that which I think is just I think it's kind of underrated for writers to do that but I think it's so essential yeah I think so too totally now when did the change happen when you started thinking okay these are some story ideas that I have and you kind of transitioned from you know fan fiction to actually writing your own stories which by the way are incredible um <laughs> when did that happen and how did it happen I I really can't quite remember when I started writing stories um it was pretty early on but as far as like writing specifically middle grade books uh and stories for that age group um was when I was about middle grade age so I was maybe like 11 when I decided I wanted to write middle grade and so yeah I've I've been in this um you know this genre for for a while now totally. um but then you know as I got older then I you know wanted to write more like adult books um when I was like in my late teens and mm -hmm. But then after that, I realized, you know, middle grade really is what I love most. And so I switched back and um, that was definitely a good decision to make. Yeah, totally. And I think people don't really realize sometimes the beauty of like middle grade novels. Mm -hmm. The fact that there's this innocence about them. And I personally go to middle grade novels all the time mm -hmm. just because there's this innocence about them, this childlikeness about them that we sometimes lose. Like our world is so adult right now that I need a little childishness in my mm -hmm. life. Um, I need to remember what it's like to be filled with wonder and to kind of see the world from a different, smaller perspective kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
And I think middle grade novels give us that in such a beautiful way. And I love also that you weren't afraid to kind of do something that was a little unexpected. Because most people I know would probably be like, oh, we want to write for like YA or adult fiction and think that maybe children's books wouldn't be as, I don't know, as grand or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think writing something that you love and writing what you enjoy will help you be able to write something that's good because you love it. Like you will put all that love and all that beauty into it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that writers should definitely write in the the genres and age ranges that uh yeah that just their their style is most suited for and that they think is the most fun mm-hmm. actually a side question from that um how can writers kind of tell what kind of audience their book is for because so many times we have like ideas and we don't really know what audience we're supposed to cater to but it's like super crucial to know who you're writing this book for what are Mm -hmm. some tips that you maybe had or that you kind of that kind of helped you be able to determine what your target audience was yeah so I would say uh one of the things that would be helpful is establishing like if your story is more of a more epic style of story if it's you know a very sweeping narrative that you know is very complex and you know if you write in that style you probably would be more suited to YA or adult but if you enjoy writing stories that are more like centered on like you were saying a a smaller piece of the world Mm -hmm. uh, then oftentimes that is suited for middle grade and yeah I think just writing you know what you like and then taking a look at it afterward and seeing, you know, okay, what does that work for? But, you know, as you write more and, you know, you need to be able to know from the get-go, what is this story going to be? um, I would say really try to get a feel for what kind of stories are being published right now in the different age ranges. And then, yeah, see where your type of story tends to fall. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you so much, Anna. Yeah. Yeah. And, now that we've kind of gotten into that, because you probably had a time where you were going through a lot of like the whole where is which is my audience thing. Mm-hmm. But when you first started drafting The Star That Always Stays, what did you expect the writing process to look like? And did it work out differently in real life? <laughs> and this is really interesting because I think a lot of people, especially now that are doing like NaNoWriMo and things like that, they're kind of in that stage where they're expecting the writing process to look a certain way, especially if they're doing NaNoWriMo for the first time. And mm-hmm. it may work out differently. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I don't really remember having that many expectations for The Star That Always Stays when I first yeah. started working on it because I was writing it more just for fun. Right. And usually at that time, I had pretty grand ideas that every book was going to be published and successful. And that was what I was working toward with every single project. Uh, But this was honestly more just for myself. And I think that's one of the reasons why it was such a delight to work on because I didn't, I didn't feel any added pressure. I was just enjoying it. And oh, absolutely. This was the first draft that I did uh, in 2014 was for NaNoWriMo. Wow. And that was almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite cool. Um, I have very fond memories of working on it. Um, 
every day after I would do my schoolwork and then I would, you know, work on it all afternoon. And then as a reward after my writing sessions, then I would eat chocolate ice cream. And that, oh, was, that sounds so good. Yeah, it was, that was pretty fun. And so, yeah, it was supposed to be 50,000 words um, for the month of November mm-hmm. since that's the challenge. Um, right. But I, I ended up finishing a few days early um, and it ended up only 40,000 words. And I certainly could have, you know, kept going to make it that long. But for as the story ended up, it really didn't need to be longer than that. So I decided to just, right. you know, call it good as it was. And I was really happy with it because it was the longest book that I'd written to that point. Um, I was totally. was 16 and I hadn't really been writing longer stories that was one of my hang-ups when I was younger um and I was also aware of the fact that it wasn't it definitely wasn't ready for publication um I knew that there were a lot of things wrong with it still but um that didn't stop me from just totally falling in love with the story of course like I think the fact that you were writing it just as for fun Mm-hmm. I think it actually lent so much beauty to it. Like the fact that it was just something that you loved. You did it because you enjoyed writing it. And you probably were thinking, this is something that I enjoy, would enjoy reading or yes. something like that. Yes. Every single draft I did of that book, it was just, it was such a joy. And I think it's mainly just because I love the characters so much. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I love that the fact that you were writing for like you were writing something that you enjoyed. Yes. Um, or even for something that your family might enjoy, you know, mm-hmm. um, where it wasn't like, oh, I'm writing for the masses or I'm writing for this genre. Or I'm writing the you know, I'm trying to write like this bestseller or whatever. Yeah. Because so many times as writers, we think that we have to write something that is popular right now or imitate something that's popular so that it can sell or whatever. And we don't realize that often the best books come out of just being honest and mm-hmm. just, you know, writing what we love and the things that really, you know, fire us up or just give us so much delight and wonder and fascinate us. And I think God planted those things in each one of us so that mm-hmm. we can just give out to the world of, of what he gave us and who we are. Yeah, I, I think so, too listeners we're releasing this episode around the end of november so you all are probably typing away like mad to get those last words on your computer and trying to make it to the fifty thousand word goal as someone who's been there and done that anna what is your advice um for people that are doing NaNoWriMo and what's something that they should focus on during this time and what should be their mindset so i know that was kind of a big question but what should be our focus to be able to create something that we can maybe look back on and maybe have maybe either less mistakes or something that would just help us to focus on finishing that project better. For sure. It's definitely going to be different for everyone. You know, obviously that's a very uh, individual process, but if I was going to give some advice, I would, I would advise not to overdo it. If you can maintain the specific word count every day, um, I think the target is like, around 1600 words a day, right, then, you know, if you're able to maintain that, then it's hopefully not going to feel like such a mountainous task. Exactly. But 
you know, and if you've fallen behind, which is very easy to do, because that's, a, you know, a lot of words to be writing every day, I would probably recommend just cutting the word count shorter, uh, like I did with the first draft of my book. Since it is just a first draft, a lot of the times, what people are working on for Nano, um, even if you don't hit 50,000 words, that's okay. You know, you're going to be revising and rewriting and you can always add back in the extra words later on. Absolutely. Like doing sprints can be quite fun if you're trying to hit your word count, just trying to write as many words as possible in a short amount of time, like 20 minutes. Um, I think that my record for sprinting is about a thousand words in 17 minutes. Whoa, that's good. <laughs> yeah, and I don't I don't really do sprints that much anymore because I've found that I just prefer to take my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think if hitting the 50,000 word goal is super exciting to you, then try sprints. And if you would just like to finish in a more relaxed way, then maybe just focus on the story itself instead of hitting the word count. Right. Oh, that's such good advice. I love that. Yeah, because so many times we're focused either on the words and then sometimes we're like, oh, I didn't hit the word count, but maybe we wrote a really good scene and we're kind of like, okay, was it worth the, you know, the the quality over the quantity and that whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I love that. And each one of us, like you said, like everybody has their different process. Everybody's personality is different. Everybody's, um, way of doing things is completely different and that's totally okay which I think is just something beautiful about like the whole the whole fact that art um is just so unique to each and Mm -hmm. every person and I love how you broke that down to you know whatever works for you which is so beautiful and that's the whole idea of you know of NaNoWriMo is write a novel that that, you know that comes from you like finish it that's the whole idea but you know don't exhaust yourself in the process Yes, we we definitely don't want to exhaust her. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And now you know a lot of us at the end of NaNoWriMo, we're kind of wrapping up our novels, or we've already finished them, and we're realizing how much editing there is to do. <laughs> so, moving on from NaNoWriMo, what was your process when it came to revision, and what are the stages of revision? I I I do a lot of revisions throughout drafting my books. With my second novel, The Luminous Life of Lucy Landry, that comes out next year, uh, I drafted that in 2021. And I wrote a first draft, and then I revised it based on big picture changes. And, you know, then I sent it to a content editor and revised it based on her feedback. And that was more big picture things. And, you know, so then it went through a couple more of the larger changes than with my publisher. And only then did we move on to the edit rounds with like the smaller changes like proofreading and copy edits. So, yeah, as far as a process that I would recommend, yeah, you're probably going to want to just reread your manuscript and make notes on what needs to be changed. Totally. Um, A lot of times you'll just know instinctively if you know, something's wrong with it. Or if you've received feedback, like from multiple people, if something Mm -hmm. needs to change. So yeah, yeah, I would start with the biggest elements that need adjusting, like scenes that need to be taken out or added in, uh, major plot points, 
and then write out like a big list of everything that you would like to change. And sometimes it's helpful to write out a description of each scene on three by five index cards. Yeah, I like doing that because then you can, you know, tangibly shuffle them around. And I think it's helpful. (laughs) Yeah, to have like a notebook, um, just for your general outline. And I've done more complicated processes with color coding and markers and each subplot has its own color and but sometimes that's more uh sometimes that's like can be procrastination (laughs) it's more fun just to play with the cards I love it yes oh my goodness yes and the scenes I feel like it's just something about tangibly being able to like see the pieces kind of come together or you know and the switching the order and seeing how it affects the plot mm-hmm. um is just really nice and even i think i've done it on the computer but i feel like i don't get the same effect as like i'll i'll usually grab like sticky notes and yeah I'll put them on the floor or on a table and i'm kind of just ordering them mm-hmm. uh, in whatever order will best benefit the plot and see how each piece kind of affects the other you know just switching it around sometimes gives a different effect or has a different can can create suspense or things like that mm-hmm. yeah definitely so yeah once once you do that part mm-hmm. um the big picture stuff um then you're gonna want to start you know implementing those changes and um really the rewriting process is can really be very fun i think it's important to look at it as more of a enjoyable thing instead of like you know something that you just have to get through to move on and so yeah really just thinking of it as revisiting the characters and giving them new adventures I think is it a nice way to look at it um so yeah (laughs) yeah so all the the stuff like consistency and you know chronology and making sure it all makes sense in the new version um, so that's what you would be working on next. And then later on, more of the, you know, polishing the pros and refining the character arcs and, you know, getting rid of typos. And so, yeah, that's that's basically my process. I love that. Hey, friend, can I share something really exciting with you? Okay, well, here it is. The Author Conservatory is releasing their very first short story anthology on December 5th. Now, guys, I don't know about you, but there is nothing I love more than a good anthology. Every story nestled within is a precious world just waiting to be explored. But here's the beautiful thing. It's not only a platform for the voices of young writers, but a fundraiser to help them attend writers' conferences to pitch their books to agents and editors. So you get to read the wonderful stories in this collection and support the next C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien's of our generation. If you'd like to get a copy for yourself, you can pre-order through the link in the description box or by going to bio.site slash Shira J. Rodriguez. That's bio.site slash Shira J. Rodriguez. Hey friend, would you just take a moment to review this podcast? This helps other amazing listeners find this podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you and thanks so much for tuning in. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the show. Also, I wanted to ask, 
quickly, just because so many people, when they're talking about revision or editing, they're like, oh my goodness, I'm still stuck in revision stage. Oh my goodness, I'm still stuck in the editing phase. Mm-hmm. How do you make it fun and engaging for yourself? I, I definitely try and make it fun. Like I was saying with the, you know, color coding, anything that makes it seem more of, right. of a you know, creative process. Um, I try and a lot of times if I need to do like, like, a you know, sit down and work out stuff that needs to happen in the book and, you know, outlining, um, I'll just like turn on a favorite TV show episode and work on it while I watch. And I like that because it makes it seem more of a fun pleasure kind of activity instead of work (laughs) yeah that's amazing and I love the fact that you don't approach it as like I don't know like hard work you actively try to bring that joy and that fun and that playfulness into the writing process so that it never gets stale Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I I uh, want it to be really enjoyable and I think that's what keeps you from getting bogged down Oh, yes, absolutely. And I I love that so much. I think I might borrow them myself. (laughs) Yeah. And also, as you were talking, what are some of the big things that you focus on? And I know we talked a little bit about the three act structure. What are some things that you look out for when you're going back and revising? So what are the, I guess, some questions that you ask yourself when it comes to plot, character, themes, or I'm assuming those are like the big things mm-hmm. um, that you kind of address, at the, like the big picture things that you address at first? Yeah, usually plot is what I focus on most. Um, right. And yeah, making sure that it fits with the three-act structure is um, a lot of what I look at uh, during the revision process. You know, because a lot of times, even if you have like that in a general sense, uh, trying to make sure that it like all of the plot points, it hits all the right beats at the right time. Right, um, that's yeah. something that you can only do once you've gotten a little bit further in the process. And I think that, yeah, making sure that character motivations and arcs make sense. That is a big part of what I deal with in yes. some of the early revision rounds. And just the like continuity stuff I deal with a lot because when I make changes, then I always end up with things that, you know, that earlier in the book that don't fit what happens later. Yes. And yeah, I spend a lot of time dealing with those just because I'm always changing my mind. And Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much, Anna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some things that you kind of do to keep yourself motivated during this time? Because I know that the process, at least for the star that always stays, it was quite a long process and took several years. Mm-hmm. I kept, I just kept thinking about how much I wanted to see the finished book in my hands and how much I wanted readers to have, you know, the joy of reading it and having a a book in this style that I like so much. Um, and also just think about like how I wanted to market it. I, I was thinking through all those things and those kept me going, but it was especially just my love of the characters and the story that really kept yeah. me motivated because, you know, I would have been working on stories about them anyway. So I was like, I might as well just keep working on it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. And so often we think that because we commit to a story, we kind of have to be stuck with it. But I think that it's more important, even if you, if it takes you a little bit longer to get into the story, like if you're just brainstorming about it before even writing it, and then you find that maybe it's not the story that you really wanted to tell, 
that's okay, I think. And mm-hmm. being able to just recognize and kind of be able to train yourself to realize when a story is something that you will have the passion and the love for to yes. be able to, to write keep- a full-length novel about it and to go to keep on writing even when you're tired and things like that because you genuinely love the story, you love the characters, and you love the audience that you're writing for. Yeah, I think that's definitely very important to, and that's something that I think we get better at the more that we write is being able to identify early on which are the ideas that really speak to you and are the ones that you're going to want to work on for a long time and which maybe just don't quite have that exactly that element. Yeah. What is something that kind of that you kind of look for in stories that like that you're really passionate about or that you really love or the characters? What's something that you maybe kind of do to be able to identify those kinds of ideas? Mm-hmm. I would say I try and make sure it has like everything on this little list of things that I like. For me to really love a story, it would have to be like very much centered on family and it well, it would have to be historical and yes. just a lot <laughs> of those vintage elements. And it would have to have a very interesting setting. Um, and it would have to usually a lot of time it has to have like some kind of mystery in it for me to stay really excited about it. So I kind of look for stories that, that have all those things. Yeah. And honestly, they turned out so beautifully. And I'm also so excited for Lucy Landry um, to come out because I took a peek because guys, I'm on her advanced reader copy list and I got to take a peek at her book. And guys, I just saw like the first two pages, but it is so sweet and beautiful. (laughs) And it has this gorgeous Pollyanna feel to it like Pollyanna and um what's that other book by Lucy Maud Montgomery um Emily of New Moon yeah feel that is so gorgeous and so sweet I can't wait to just dive into it and I just think that's so beautiful like that the ideas that you have and that you really you can we can tell that you love these ideas and you write because um you you really have um, a deep-seated love for stories that really get to the heart of who people are and, you know, have mystery and have this vintage feel and um, are just characters that we aspire to be. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm I'm so glad that you uh, like the beginning of Lucy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm it's... so excited to read it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for you to read it. Thanks. Yeah. So, Tell me a little bit about, jumping back to The Star That Always Stays, tell me a little bit about, like, just in a nutshell, the publishing process and how your book went from, you know, um, final draft to award-winning novel. What did that kind of look like in a nutshell? Most of, you know, what I think helped the most on that journey from the first draft to where it is now, I think what helped most was just listening to feedback from editors and agents and mentors, other writers, um, and being able to implement that feedback. Um, Earlier on in the process, I wasn't open enough to criticism, especially for this book, because I really just had a strong idea of what I wanted it to be. And I was kind of, you know, resistant to changes. And it took a while to learn that, you know, making your own changes to a book is one thing. And accepting critique from others and being able to implement it is just 
completely different. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and not every change that people suggested to me, you know, would have worked. But as time goes on, I've gotten more attuned to, you know, what will work. And I think that just being, yeah, being open to, to critique is really the thing that helped me the most. And right. because, you know, the book really, it needed a lot of polishing and refining. Um just because it was, it's a complicated book as far as having a lot of layers and a totally. lot of subplots. And it just, you know, it takes time to work all that out and iron For out sure. the, the problems. And so, yeah, it it helped to have other, other eyes on the project. That's so amazing. And now um, you've been able to win this award, which you recently got, right? The Christie Award? Yeah. And then which other awards have you gotten for your novel? Um, I got the Michigan Notable Book Award. That was quite cool. That's incredible. And it was a finalist for the New York Historical Society Children's Book Prize. And that was very exciting. Yeah, so it was it was a few more things. Junior Library Guild Gold Standard Selection and Bank Street College Best Book and yeah, it's it's just been really amazing. I'm That's just, incredible. I'm so grateful to everyone who has has enjoyed the book. Yeah, of course. And it's such a beautiful book. I truly love it so much. Like it's it has literally become one of those books that like I know the characters, they feel like family to me and everything. So, oh, I'm so I'm glad. just so grateful that you you stuck through that, you know, that revision process mm-hmm. and that writing process. Uh, because I know, like, at the time, it must have been kind of, you know, long. <laughs> it, it felt very long. <laughs> yeah, but I'm so grateful that you stuck through it. And honestly, listeners, one day, if you keep persevering, you'll be able to see your books on bookshelves. And wherever you dream of seeing them, you just have to persevere and you'll get there. It's just a matter of just keep, you know, just keep going. So many of us kind of give up right before we're about to kind of... Mm-hmm get to the best part yep but let Anna be an inspiration to you to just keep going you know your story may not be perfect but it can't be perfected if there's nothing to fix yep that's that's right yeah if there was one thing that you could tell yourself when you were younger one piece of advice what would that be Anna yeah that's hard to say just one piece of advice um we'll take more than one (laughs) Well, one that comes to mind is I would probably tell my younger self to to keep writing historical projects um, and not focus on so many contemporary books. Um, I had this idea that I really needed to write contemporary in order to be published in the middle grade sphere because most of the books that I was seeing were contemporary. And I would, yeah, if I could go back and tell myself something, I would probably say, yeah, just keep working on the the old fashioned stories and and time periods that you like, because, you know, you're going to end up doing those anyway. So (laughs) that's beautiful. Yeah. And so many times we think that the thing that makes us different makes us weird or makes us unable to get into, you know, the, the market or whatever mm-hmm. but so many times that's exactly what is needed the fact yeah. that there isn't something like that is actually a benefit it's it's an advantage yeah definitely I I agree because 
Yeah, a lot of the time, what you love doing most in writing is, it, yeah, actually going to end up helping you to stand out in a good way. Exactly. I love that so much. Anna, this has been so incredible. And I, I absolutely love talking to you um, and just listening to your process and just all the all the insights that you've had from working on these books and, you know, bringing them out to the world. And so now we finally get to our question that I ask every guest who comes onto this podcast. Are you ready, Anna? Yes, I am. Awesome. So my first question how do you live? So what are some activities that make you feel glad to be alive? And this is very Annish, I know. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, so some people have said like walking outside without headphones or baking or talking with old friends, going on coffee dates or things like that. Um, what is something that just brings you life and just fills you up? Mm-hmm. I love taking walks in the woods. We have some very old forests on our farm. And I just find them so inspiring. And that's something that I like to do, you know, if I need like the creative will refreshed. um, Yes. Yeah, I like doing that. Um, And in the summers, I really like pouring a glass of lemonade and sitting on the front porch and reading. It's just a very, uh, very lovely little thing to do. Oh, that's beautiful. That must be so nice. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah as, as long as there aren't too many mosquitoes out <laughs> it usually works yeah oh my goodness yes <laughs> I love that yeah and honestly I feel like people underestimate how incredible like walking outside is for creativity mm-hmm. like this morning I went out and I was do- having a bike ride and I just took a moment just to not listen to any stuff like any podcasts or any music or something like that and just listen to my neighborhood and just take a moment in the quiet to just hear the breeze and just see the trees outside Mm -hmm. and everything and just get some of that sunlight in because so many times we just have so many screens and things like that and Mm -hmm. yeah I feel like it's just underestimated how good it is for creativity and usually I will come back with way more ideas after just taking a walk outside even if it's a 15 minute walk it is incredible how great it is for creativity yeah, I, I think so, too. Yeah, I love that. So, Anna, my second question, how do you give? So what are some ways that you bless and fill others? Um, and some people have said that um, they love giving random gifts to people that they care about or writing notes to encourage others. What is one of your favorite ways to um, just give out to others? Yes. So, yeah, I also really like writing notes to people. Um Often like kind of a surprise, you know, like, you know, social media messages or handwritten letters. Yeah, that's one thing that I really like doing because I think it it just brightens someone's day. I really like receiving things like that. So I like trying to do that for other people, too. I love that. Yeah. And I feel like in this, I feel like a lot of times people, the fact that we don't get that many letters And the fact that somebody took the time, especially with the handmade letters, to, you know, write something down Mm -hmm. on paper that you can keep, I think is just so beautiful. Yeah, I I think it's very cool. I love that. 
And now for our last question, how do you repeat? What are some habits that you've implemented that help you create a beautiful and balanced lifestyle? So this might be anything from writing a to-do list before going to bed to setting like a water bottle in front of your desk or something like that, which is something I've been trying to do because Mm -hmm. water intake. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, What are some of your favorite habits that you've like implemented or are trying to implement um, into your life? Mm Mm-hmm. I have started implementing a habit of completing a little to-do list, usually on Fridays. Um, I'll go through my, you know, appointments for the next week and write them all down. And I catch up on emails and doing that, adding that into my routine um, at the beginning of this year. uh, It's really helped me to keep up with things better, stay on top of things and, it, it helps just to feel more, more relaxed and about these things that, um, you know, you want to make sure that, that they get done. And I also try and make it a habit to do scrapbooking. Um, I have a journal scrapbook where I make these, uh, little aesthetics, um, with like photos and little like magazine clippings and, so yeah, mixed in with like journaling about what I've been doing and then adding in like different mementos and things to remind me of occasions. And so that's been quite right. nice. Oh, that's so lovely. And I think I did. You, I think if I'm not mistaken, you published one that you did for Lucy Landry. Oh, was that yeah. In your scrapbook. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so beautiful. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, I I make binders for most of the projects that I work on. So I made a binder for Lucy um, that had this scrapbook um, on the front. So yeah, I really like doing that. That's so beautiful. I love that so much. <laughs> well, Anna, this has been such a delight to be able to chat with you. And I honestly can't wait for Lucy Landry to come out into the world. I'm so excited to uh, read it. And oh my goodness, thank you so much for just coming on to the podcast and taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been really fun. And those were great questions. So yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. No, thank you. All right. I hope that you have a beautiful day. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Wasn't that inspiring and beautiful? I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. If you'd like to get in touch with Anna or read her book, The Star That Always Stays, for yourself, which you should totally do, head over to the links in the description box below where you can find all her lovely links and learn more about Anna. Friends, it's been a delight to have you here and share some time with you. If this episode blessed you, I'd so appreciate your review to let me know that this encouraged you today. Until next time, friends, continue to live, give, and repeat. Yay, you did it! I'm giving you a lovely big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of Her Reading Life podcast. If you'd like to access all the wonderful links I mentioned in this episode, visit my website at bio.site slash Shira J. Rodriguez. That's bio.site slash Shira J. Rodriguez. There, you can access my blog posts, resources, and so much more. Also, check out my Instagram page for more inspirational content. And join my email list for insider secrets and exclusive updates on special events. The links are in the description box below. 
Also, if you could take a minute and leave a review for this podcast, that would be amazing. We're able to reach so many more people because of your reviews and ratings. I can't wait to chat with you next time, friends. Keep living, giving, and repeating.